Hello and welcome to the Mac Gamecast episode 27. I am John, as always, and with me today is Casper. How are you, sir? Hey there, doing well. And the ever awesome Mr. Ted, how are you? Doing very well, thank you. And Mr. Sam of the Late Nights, how are you? Hello, I'm doing very well, thank you. Thank you very much. Today we are going to be talking about uh, a couple things, some TV shows, game-related shows, some WWDC thoughts, and uh, maybe some adjacent stuff. We'll figure that out as we get into it. So here we go. I don't know if I have, like, game news. We have WWDC announced, so we could speculate a little there. But, like, I don't know, Feral just released an iOS version of Total War Rome something or the other. I don't know. Uh, Medieval 2. Yeah, I just saw the email. Yeah, just before I came on. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) There is one interesting facet to that, I guess, in that last time they did an iOS version of some big-name Total War game. It wasn't soon, or it wasn't that much later after that. that um, what are the people who make the Creative Assembly? Is that uh, yeah, they're owned by Sega. Yeah, Creative Assembly makes it. Yeah, announced uh, a full EC remake of the same. That's mm. just like interpolation speculation. So interesting. Sorry, I was just surprised by. Uh... The stats on the last show actually really high for the Apple event one we did, which oh, was nice. a while ago, March thirteenth. But yeah, yeah. It had like thirty percent more views than uh, than usual. But people like the event stuff. That was true even in the old podcast I did with Ted and some other people. Like we had like a BlizzCon special or something. It always had more hits. People like the event stuff. Uh, yeah. Okay, focus mode for one hour. Yes, I stopped getting dings. I keep getting Discord beep, beep, beep. Ding, <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Oh, guy, guy. On your end, those came. I kept looking at my Discord. What the hell's happening? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was driving yeah. me crazy with the watch. It just keeps dinging me. I was I got onto a Discord channel on one of the games I'm playing, and, and it was like the constant chatter going on. It's like, oh, my gosh. I think I, I finally learned how to turn off notifications on certain parts. Like, don't bother me unless it's a mention of me. I'll read it when I get a chance. Right. <laughs> yeah. Notifications for sure. Was me and Casper's conversation at like three in the morning. Thinking. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Well, exactly. Well, actually, I have a tr- I have the nighttime thing, but the, you know, it was I was sit. But it was funny because my wife was sitting in our, one of our easy chairs, and I had my iPad sitting there, and she going, "How come your iPad bings every five minutes?" <laughs> <laughs> it was like, yeah, they're chatting away on this. I finally turned it off. The the ultimate <laughs> thing you got to do is put on like voice to text so it reads out like the paragraphs slowly like while it's sitting on your couch. <laughs> uh, I got be... in trouble for leaving my iPad on like noisy when I left for work the one day, and my wife didn't know how to turn it off, and it was just <laughs> pinging all day. Um, she had to like, <laughs> hide it in the room of the house. <laughs> Come home to find it smashed. It wouldn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody see the uh, the uh, the premiere of the Halo series? Ooh, that's a good oh. question. I was aware of it, but I didn't yet see it. 
Yeah, it was on YouTube. <laughs> I didn't realize short term the first episode, and I actually got to watch half of it before <laughs> I ran out of time, and I was going to go back today and oh. finish it. And, whoops, it's gone. Oh, but it was like it, a it's timed on, thing. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it's on Paramount Plus, if I remember correctly, and it you know it's like one of their new series, but it that was interesting. You know, I had I had some things. I the one thing about science fiction is you know it has to. The, sci- the made-up science has to kind of make sense within itself, and there was one blaring thing that I noticed that didn't make sense within itself. So, you know, and that right. was the, the the civilian weapons didn't seem like they could do anything, but the um, Spartan weapons could, although they just look like regular weapons, you know, that type of thing. Interesting, didn't, right? Like if didn't they're sink. they're firing bullets at the Covenant, who are the enemy. I mean, right, it's, exactly. It's like why, covenant, why, yeah. Why, I mean, they have sh- the. I mean, the elites are shielded, but they're shielded either way. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, and it, it just it didn't. You know, you think you see all these people standing around with guns and shooting and stuff like that, and not, you know, the aliens are just walking through it, and then all of a sudden the Spartans come in and they can't <laughs> handle it. It's like okay, there's something not right here. <laughs> right. I didn't see it yet. Um, I've been a little hesitant. I am a pretty big Halo fan. I mean, I really only yeah, I played Halo too. One and Two, one on Mac, two on PC, and I like watched all the others played on YouTube or Twitch. I've read a number of the books. Um, so I'm pretty into yeah. the, the the world in general. Uh, I like the actor who's playing Master Chief, Pablo Schreiber. Schreiber, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Um, okay. I, I like him. I've seen him in a number of other th- shows and movies. I think he's a good actor. Um, I don't know if he makes a good Master Chief. I haven't seen the show. Uh, but I guess it's the problem of Master Chief in the games and books. He's always he never takes off his helmet, kind of Judge Dredd style. Right. He's just the big imposing guy in armor, the badass, saves the day. But... Like, you never really learn that much about him unless you could read the books, um, like Fall of Reach, for example, which is all about him right. getting kidnapped by Dr. Halsey and him going through the Spartan training program and getting, you know, hacked up and modified and whatever, all that stuff. Kind of gruesome, actually. Um, <laughs> but you don't learn any of that in the games other than maybe a couple references at best. So um, I don't really know what they're doing with the show. But it sounds like from the introduction, it's a little bit of one of those... Um, it's like the trick of, oh no, the enemy is so strong, but then our heroes show up and they're super effective. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I saw a comment on on YouTube. I was I, re- I was reading them, and somebody said, you know, I played the games for years and never saw his face, and it was only an hour into the show I finally got to see the Master Chief's face. <laughs> right. So they do that might answer your question. <laughs> right. I mean, it makes it, that makes sense because like. I think at least for a whole sh- a whole show, maybe for a movie like the I think it was 2012 or 13 Judge Dredd movie with Carl Urban, I'm a big fan of that. He never takes off his helmet. That's fine. It's just a movie. If there was going to be a whole like I don't know 10 episode TV show with him, at some point right. maybe I want him to take off his helmet just for the characterization. I think it works well in a graphic novel, comic book, whatever the origin material is. I forget exactly which one for Judge Dredd. Um, I don't even know if they, I think they actually made Halo graphic novels too, but that's not like the original source material. Um, so I understand they take some liberties, um, but of course fans will be fans and they're like, well, it has to be this way. And if it isn't this way, I'm going to be really upset. And, you know, Pasha, it's a terrible show. Um, like, I guess I don't know who's like, if you go to IMDb and look at it, I don't think it's rated particularly well, but are the people rating it like the super fans, an average sci-fi user? Like, I don't know. 
Um, yeah, that's always the question, yeah. Now it's actually rated 7.2 at climbed. It was like a 6. So apparently it's just not too bad. Um, but like, it was, if, it, was yeah. it was pretty good. I mean, I enjoyed the beginning of it. And, you know, they, I mean, they're putting the, you know, typical movie. There's people and things happen and kids get shot at and stuff like that. <laughs> so people get shot at and monsters come. And But it was, I, I thought it was, it pulled me in. I, just like I said, I, I, I found it late at night and it was like, oh, God, I got to go to bed. I'll go watch it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I do like, as a fan, um, they used... Um, the same lady who voices Cortana in the games is also oh. voicing Cortana in the show. That was like a recent nice. addition. I think it's Jen Taylor. Yeah, it's Jen Taylor. Um, okay. You know, she's just a digital hologram or whatever in the movies and the, as I mean, the show and in the games, but the voice. So same voice. That's cool. I mean, it's very distinct. If you're like a long-term Halo fan, you would recognize her voice. Yeah, you would recognize it. Sure. Originally it was going to be somebody else. I don't know who. And then at some point she came along and, they, they got her on board. Um, yeah, so don't know if it'll, you know, will it get a season two? Will it not? Who knows? Um, because obviously Halo is a big universe. If it's successful, you want more. But then, of course, you have the types of fans who are like, it's so terrible, I don't want them to make any more of it. Nobody can enjoy it. <laughs> you know, of course, that's silly. If you don't like it, don't watch it. Let other people who do enjoy it watch it. That's fine. Uh, how did you find the, like, production value of it, Ted? Meaning, you know, because it's sci-fi, there's shields and armor and lasers and whatever. Like, was that reasonable or kind of cheap or what yeah, do you think? Was, no, I thought it was reasonable. I mean, I love, you know, they did a really good job of uh, reproducing the armor from the images. I mean, I played all the games, too, and and, and I really enjoyed them. So, I mean, even the, even the weapons, like the... Um, you know the the rifle that they have, and the uh, alien. You know the uh, what do you call it? The, the sword, the laser thing. That no, well they had the sword too. Yeah, and it looked good. I mean, it was really well done. And the uh, you know the all the all the weapons that the Spartans used and the Covenant used that I saw were really good rep- reproductions of what I saw in the games when I played. Nice. So it's like, oh yeah, this looks familiar. Although. They kind of did a little bit of liberty because there's one of the uh, one of the other Spartans that was uh, an assistant to you know one of the other team members had a slightly different armor type and it was a female voice. Uh, probably um, Kelly, maybe. Um, but that might be something I just don't remember. But I mean, it wasn't bad. It was just it was just different. It wasn't the you know all all the Spartans look the same in the game. I mean, they're pretty. You know, my memory of it is they're different colors. I mean, you know, the original game, red and blue, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and then the whole series of red versus blue silly <laughs> things that were created. <laughs> Glorious. Um, well, Kelly's one of his original team members. I don't know where exactly the timeline the show is and, like, who, what yeah, team I didn't, he may I didn't be a part of that. or whatever. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, of course, they also but sometimes anyhow, replace it. Replace people or yeah, but they did a good job. They did a good job of that. And, and you know, the scenery was nice and, you know... The, the background, the parts, you know, you don't, you have to really look at it twice to see it. But, you know, I caught up some of the stuff, you know, as some sort of isolated uh, station somewhere that uh, uh, purifies water, I think it was, if I'm remembering correctly, on some sort of desert planet. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was like, okay, yeah, it was, it was well done, you know. So interesting. I enjoyed it. Um, description for the show i don't know if it's necessarily accurate i guess you could anyway it's a this is imdb 
Aliens Threaten Human Existence in an Epic 26th Century Showdown. I don't know. I feel like it could use a little... I mean, that's not inaccurate, but I almost feel like it's (laughs) too too Spartan. Ha, ha, ha. Could use some (laughs) more detail. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Does it that's need much, much of an introduction, though? I mean, people know what Halo yeah. is, so... Correct. Yeah, that's what they're getting into, I would imagine. Right. I mean, you think about it, the first game, what was it, like, 20 years ago? 2001, yeah, I think. About that, 20, that was the Mac yeah. port, at least. I don't know the... Yeah, I mean, you know, people pl- who were, like, teens back then are now, like, adults. <laughs> right, right. Mm-hmm. All the uh, 12-year-olds on Xbox are now mid-30s. Um, yeah. <laughs> No, I, I'm thinking more for people who are only who maybe they've heard of Halo. They just know it's a game, but what kind of game? Who knows? But you know, I guess th- that some of the reviews I read criticized that like they weren't really. It's hard to tell who the show's for because they made enough um, like alterations that it's not like a true sort of representation. But then they kind of did. It's kind of like halfway to both. They're sort of half catering to new people and half to fans. So. I'm just thinking, yeah. like, I don't know, it could be in the 26th century, you know, John Spartan, you know, fights the Covenant to save you, whatever. There could be, like, a description you kind of might expect if you were to not know what Halo is and go. Of course, you could just Google right. it, but I'm talking about the IMDb page, which is where people look for most TV movie stuff. Um, so, anyway, I'm nitpicking. I haven't seen it. Yeah, <laughs> I was just checking. There is a free trial. I don't know how long. This is a really yeah, a weird. Week. I'm gonna I'm gonna screenshot this because it's really I find it really incongruous here. Let me upload this so you guys can see. This is this is when you go to uh, Paramount. Yeah, screenshot. This is like <laughs> like <laughs> here it's uploading. It's trying to upload. Anticipation. Hello. It got stuck. Anyway, <laughs> it's Master Chief and. Picard and like some girl in a oh, weird yeah, dress. Oh yeah, I saw that picture. Yeah, it's two, there three. It di- they're promoting three different shows. Right. Yeah, but it, they look so funny next to Master Chief. Like visually, <laughs> it's like I find it. I find it really entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, silly. Yeah. Um, hey, uh, Sam or Casper, are you guys? I don't remember. Remember, are you guys Halo fans at all? Do you have any interest in the show? Sam, <laughs> uh, I'm. I like Halo. I played Halo One so much back in the day, and I've read some of the books. I, I played all the games. Um, I'm, I have low expectations for the show just because I don't want to disappoint myself. Although a good thing is my friend who's not really into Halo. He knows what it is, and he's played it like occasionally, but he liked it. So, oh. but he's not coming in with the whole. Uh, he didn't understand why Master Chief revealing his face within the first like hour was a big deal. Right. <laughs> he's like, right. Oh, yeah. right. But Interesting. Twenty years, the games never reveal it, but the show does it in the first episode. Right. <laughs> How about you, Casper? I've only really played Reach, and I like that well enough, but I'm not that into Halo. In general, I don't think shooter games tend to like touch me very much. I'll play shooters; I'll enjoy them while I'm playing them, but I I wouldn't like get into the fandom of a shooter game, so to speak. So yeah, I've, right. I played Halo Reach just as like a bit of entertainment, but not really. Sure, it's not a not a big deal. No, I also agree. I don't think shooter games necessarily translate very well to shows or movies. Uh, it's probably much better to do something like an RPG or a strategy game or, or something with maybe broader world building or characterization or something. 
Um, I mean, I must, I confess, I rather like, I think, the 2005 Doom movie. Again, Carl Urban and what's his name? The Rock's in it. And yeah. Yeah. A couple other notable actors, or at least now notable actors, maybe. Uh, I forget the lady's sister's name in the movie. I mean, it's not a good movie, per se, like, on of its own, but I found it to be a fairly entertaining Doom movie, um, mm. personally. But I just like the actors, the main three, so that's probably why I enjoyed the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's been very few video game adaptations into, like, TV or, or movies that have done well i'm sure there's some i'm trying to think but well i think the only one that's yeah it's really the adjacent stuff that does better like wreck it ralph did very well it's a video game movie in the more literal sense of the term but it's not based on like a video game that's been out there and you go and play or whatever um or you have some or the more vr stuff ready player one based on a book a free guy you know did fairly well again it's like a quote-unquote video game movie sort of thing but based on like a book or just some other sort or just something someone made up not a existing game or long like a a popular ip or something um has anyone seen the deeply unsettling mario brothers movie from way back in the day oh god yeah i think i saw it as a (laughs) kid yeah it's from like what the 80s or something yeah I, I had a tv show version of uh the marios where they were like real life actors at the start and then uh, they would transition into animated stuff later but i actually thought that was pretty good as a kid <laughs> <laughs> interesting i i think the only like if you quote unquote successful video game movies is maybe sonic the hedgehog which is recent maybe by which i mean they're like making a sequel and apparently it's rated reasonably well okay getting a sequel doesn't mean it's a good movie i mean all the um what do you call it resident evils are rated like five or six and they may you know like score wide ever like they always score low on reviews but they make lots of money and they make a lot there's five or six of them or whatever um so just getting a sequel doesn't necessarily mean it was good but it does mean it made money so the movie and tv industry is weird um i mean i've seen a few of the resident evils they're reasonable enough as far as like mindless zombie sort of stuff goes I mean, they kind of butcher the games, which is the problem for, like, fans of the games. And it could have been more interesting, but I'm not here to pick apart Resident Evil. Just but this notion of, yeah, what... The most successful video game movies are not video game movies. (laughs) They're adjacent (laughs) or, you know, made up or whatever based on a book or something. Not a Halo or I can't remember what else has been out. Not a Resident Evil. Um, There's others I'm sure I'm forgetting. Doom. I hear people really like the Witcher TV. That's true. Oh yeah, Witcher um, was another one. Yeah, it is good. It is good. Mostly they do some weird things. Um, I'm an enormous <clears throat> Witcher fan. All the books, read them all two or three times. Played all the games a bunch again two or three times. Uh, what's interesting about the show is it's more based on the books than the games, mm. like majority <laughs> actually. So because the games all take place well after the books in almost every case, other than maybe some flashbacks. Um, in most cases, I think about 10 years later, the games, after the books. So, um, roughly. And the show is going in, uh, the TV show is going in order of the books. The first two seasons are roughly book one and two, which is a collection of short stories. Season three is officially starting, like, the real storyline. I think it's The Blood of Elves, or maybe a different name. Um, where it's like an actual linked four to five books, a very uh, continual storyline, and blah, blah, blah. 
Um, they do pretty well, mostly because of Henry Cavill. Cavill? Cavill? I don't know how to say all these last names. Um, he's a really good witcher. Like, brings a lot of presence. <laughs> um, oh, nice. You know, he looks the part. He's big and muscly and... Um, he's got the cool gravelly voice and, you know, he fights well and, you know, he's been in a bunch of other action movies. He's been Mission Impossible. He's been Superman, whatever. You, you may not like him in those movies or you may or may not, but he has like the physique that the screen presence you'd imagine of like a mutated badass dude who like goes out and hunts monsters. You look at him and go like, yeah, he could do that. Um, <laughs> he's not some like puny hundred pound guy you know running around swinging a sword he's like got some presence to it so i so i like it the show's pretty good there's things you can nitpick but overall it's pretty good again any adaptation suffers because it just does it's impossible to translate everything from a game or a book which have constraints but in a sense very few constraints in comparison a book is obviously only constrained by its page count basically uh, a video game is mostly constrained by maybe who's making it. Is it an indie? Is it a triple A game? You know, are you making a one hour Witcher game or a hundred hour Witcher game? You know, right? Right. I don't think there was any one hour Witcher games, but they have a few. I don't know. They have um, it's like the Gwent spinoff Witcher. I forget what it's called. It's not. No, I know there's Gwent, but they made like a game that's like a narrative RPG thing with Gwent. Forget the name of it. Didn't make it to Mac. Um. The Witcher something stories or adventures or anyways well rated um, so obviously you go on TV well you can't run a hundred hour movie or hundred hour season TV show so of course you have to chop 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 um, yeah. but they do pretty well again the production's pretty good on the Witcher show for bothering to talk about it um, which I've been running my mouth um, has anyone else seen the show or has any interest in seeing the Witcher I'd love to see it someday, but I've because I've I'm also a fan. I've read all the books. Um, I I played one of the games. I did I didn't play a lot of them, but I I did read the books. And I'm a big science fiction fantasy reader, so you know it was like when I pl- I re- I reviewed the game once. I think for Inside Mac Game when it first came out years ago, right. first the first one, and then I saw oh this is from a book. Let me go read the books. So that's <laughs> right. So that's I enjoyed the me, book yeah. a lot more than the game. <laughs> Yeah, I liked uh, the Witcher ones a little odd. You know, it was just some. I was just using the um, a, a uh, souped-up version of the Neverwinter Nights engine, like really souped yeah. up, like heavily, right? Uh, which was interesting. And of course, um, the Witcher Two game used their own, I believe, red red engine or something, whatever they call it. At the time in 2011, when the Witcher Two released, it was one of those like crisis style games it was like melt your machine with its specs and graphics <laughs> and stuff um they did make a witcher 2 version on mac maybe a year or two later 2013 or 14 and then in the weird in a bit of random gaming history in the, sort of the weird way of uh, virtual programming they were involved in porting it but i'm unclear how much they never really marketed it, it just kind of showed up and then on their website, they're like, well, we helped do it in, like, some tiny little banner. It's like, well, okay, but, like, mm-hmm. did you just consult? Did you port it in the way maybe Feral or Aspire did? Like, it's so unclear in virtual programming, weird and nebulous, even when they were active, what to speak of now, where, you know, much like Aspire, they've just kind of ghosted. But um, uh, another funny bit of trivia on the Mac version, um, you couldn't get it to go past medium graphical settings. It was, it just refused, it was like a bug, and I don't believe they ever fixed it. Even if you went in and messed with the any files, the game 
refused to go <laughs> higher than medium <laughs> graphical settings. Uh, someone listening may have a, like, maybe they found some workaround. I remember trying, because at the time I had a higher-end iMac that should have been able to go further than that, but just just wouldn't. And, of course, I tried it, went into boot camp and tried it, and you could, you know, crank it. But the game still looked incredible, even on medium, so it wasn't really an issue. It's more of a strange bug. Yeah, I remember The Witcher 2, like, my, my experience with it, which pretty minor because i wanted to play them in order and get stuck not beating the first one right (laughs) but i did try out just to see how it would run and stuff and i remember feeling like it ran pretty well uh for a port whereas the first one the mac release i don't remember running particularly well on the mac side it was a really janky wine version of the witcher one yeah Yeah, it was issues with it yeah and it's funny because they released that after the witcher 2 version like 20 oh it came out that late it came out later, not before. Or maybe it came out, I'm pretty sure it was later. Almost positive. Could be wrong on that. I'd have to go check, but I'm almost positive. Yeah. Because, yeah, the Witcher the Witcher 2 is a proper Mac port, now unplayable due to 32-bit. Um, but, yeah, the Witcher 1 was a really oddball wine version, you know, which yeah. didn't... I remember buying it right away and trying to play it, and it was just, like, crashing out of its mind. And it was like, uh, you know. I think it runs fine now because I have a buddy. Oh, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Anyway. I believe they ironed it out and it at least was playable. Yeah. The Witcher 3 is actually fairly playable on M1 Max. Like, this, like this medium settings, 60-ish FPS, decent resolution. It's a fairly old game now. It's like 2015, I think. But, uh, Kasser, you're mentioning you got burned out on the first one. My cousin had the same thing. He wanted to go through them all in order. And... He, he beat Witcher 1, which is really rough by modern standards. Um, yeah. And then he forced himself to immediately play Witcher 2, and then he was just so burnt out on the series, he didn't even touch Witcher 3, which is like the the gem of the, the series. The good one, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. That is interesting. Um, no, Ted had a question in chat, the other by chat, I mean our Discord chatter, um, on virtualizing, uh, like reasonably virtualizing games on a silicon machine. As far as I know, as per what Sam just said, The Witcher 3 is pretty easy to get up and running on a silicon machine, or even a non-silicon machine. Um, uh, that's through crossover. You were thinking the same, right? Yep. But Witcher 3 has the advantage of you can buy it like totally DRM-free and all that, so you don't have to deal with, like I don't know, the Nuvo or those other right. really intrusive DRM programs that sometimes break games yeah. if you're trying to run them in crossover and stuff. Right, and that's true. I posted a link in our Discord just now. It's the Apple Silicon Games page for Witcher mm-hmm. 3. And like okay. even the MacBook Air is going to get 40 to 60 FPS. Right. Wow, that's yeah, I mean, um, I, I tried it on my M1 Mac one just again to see how it runs because I still want to do them in order at some point, but holy shit, getting through the first one. Anyway, uh, on my machine, at least in the intro tutorial aspect, I can pretty much like max the refresh rate of the monitor. Your um, your M1 Max machine, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I I can hit the refresh rate of the monitor, uh, 120 frames per second uh, at high resolution. I can't remember, but it higher than 1080p. So is it native? Like the 3000 by whatever the odd resolution? Probably did push it to native, yeah. But I I don't know exactly what settings I had it on to hit the refresh rate, and I was only like viewing around the tutorial area so mileage may vary hmm, interesting 
I've tried it on uh, my current iMac, which is a monster. Not in crossover, though. I tried it in uh, Parallels because I already had a um, I had a one year subscription for free from Mr. MacRate because I was doing a anyway whatever we were we did something we tried to do something in Parallels and they were like here are some keys and we we're like okay sure um, I think I did some recording of some testing of I don't know what in Parallel I forget what it was it was a year ago at least anyway so I happened to have Parallels already ready to go and not crossover. I used to have a version of Crossover from, like, 2014. Same thing. I contacted them to try to do some gaming stuff when I was doing journalism. And they were like, we're porting games and World of Tanks and rah, rah, rah. Anyway, nothing ever really came of it. But um, the point is, it runs at least on a, like, uh, strong machine, Intel machine. I haven't tried this on a silicon machine. It's the same thing. It runs very well. High settings or, I think, ultra settings, 60 FPS. The only thing you can't have on is uh, the hair effects, the um, physics hair. It, like, completely kills the frame rate. Like, 3 FPS. It can't handle Geralt's hair, apparently. It's <laughs> too too hot. That, that setting is kind of a joke. Even on, like, an NVIDIA card in Windows, it murders your performance. Oh, for, like, interesting. very minimal visual game. Interesting. Like, I, have, I played on, on a 1070 back in the day on my gaming PC, and it would be, like, 80 FPS max settings, turn on Hairworks, 35 fps <laughs> like, oh, wow. right the ray tracing of its day exactly and it was like wow. oh, the hair kind of looks better but uh, i'm gonna leave that setting off right <laughs> interesting um yeah the witcher 3 is cool if you're you know if you're curious you're listening to this we've been yakking about witcher 1 and 2 there's probably ways you could get those running non-natively at this point actually i'm not sure I don't know, because, again, they add Mac ports, but 32-bit, 64-bit, rah, rah, rah. The Witcher 3 is pretty easy to get up and running. Cross, I would suggest crossover over Parallels. It's, well, if you're buying it, it's cheaper or subscribing to it, whatever. And I believe there's also less setup involved um, to get that up and running in crossover as opposed to Parallels. I only opted the Parallels route because I already had it installed and up and running. Um, you know what? I might have even been done something weird like using my... I think I was using my boot camp partition from the Mac side, so I wasn't... I didn't just install, like, a standalone version of Windows, which you can do in Parallels as well. So I didn't test that, like, which has better performance. Because it just gives you the option... Oh, it is the same? Okay, I wasn't sure. It's it's about the same. Okay, There's not really going to be a difference. The only difference is the amount of disk space for, like, uh, drivers for all... Makes sense. ...running the hardware. But you gotta, yeah. um, you gotta throw for parallels. You gotta throw a lot for the wit if you want to run a higher end game. You gotta throw like a lot of RAM in your GPU at it, which you don't have to do with crossover. So probably not the super like cross. I suspect in general crossover is the superior option for like the average user, especially the average silicon user. Um, may just be better flat out. I don't know. I can't say that for sure, but just in general, if we're talking purely performance crossover, if we're talking compatibility with games. It might be more widely compatible using a full-on virtualized system like Parallels. Uh, But then on the other hand, if it tanks performance so much that it's unplayable anyway, eh, I'm not sure it's better. Right. That makes sense. Um, Yeah. The big advantage Crossover has is you're not emulating Windows as well as the game. Right. Which is obviously a lot. Right. It's all I heard. I've made a full operating system plus game, then just the game. So. Makes sense. Yeah, what's cool about The Witcher 3 these days, like Sam said, you can get a DRM free. Oh, you've always could, but 
from uh, good old games. You can get it pretty much anywhere. It goes on sale for like $10 all the time, like all the DLC, get hundreds of hours out of it. Um, I do like, though, that if you had played The Witcher 2, or 1 or 2, a 2 specifically, you could import your saves. The changes are really minor. It wasn't like Mass Effect style, so it's legacy, big rolling choices. Um, but I did, in fact, have two saves from The Witcher 2, which I still have. You know what? Maybe I don't. I'm ho- actually, I might not anymore. They might be in the, like, the <laughs> Steam cloud, hopefully. Um, and I did, because I played The Witcher 2 through twice, and there is two very distinct storylines in that game uh, after Act 1. At the end of Act 1, you have to make a choice, and it wildly changes the mid-game and even the end game. Kind of interesting game structure. A little odd, um, but fun if you bother to replay it. So I did have two saves for The Witcher 3. I didn't actually finish The Witcher 3, not for a lack of interest. I was just... I was had 10 other games to play, and I got distracted. Um, so I still have to go back and finish it. I'm just at the Baron's Castle. Anyone who's played The Witcher 3 know who the who the Baron is. Um, supposedly one of the best quests in the game. I was just starting it. But yeah, it's really easy to get it up and running these days. Um, the Witcher 3, you can grab it cheap. Maybe you already have it. Just go, you know, if you don't have a uh, crossover, there's a trial. I think it's two weeks, I'm pretty sure. Um, so no, no, basically no reason not to go give it a whirl or buy it on sale with crossover, whatever, and play The Witcher 3. One thing I'm unsure of, and maybe someone like Casper or Sam could answer this for me, is it is it possible to also run like mods with crossover in the game like the because there's like Should. a zillion. So as long as there's not some weird incompatibility with itself and the way crossover emulates things, which given that it can emulate the engine or emulate, given that it can translate the calls necessary to run the game, and right. I would think it should be possible to run most mods. As well. um, and the way you would install things, as, as long as it's just like file stuff it's pretty trivial to do through your crossover bottle whatever terminology yeah right that's what i was wondering about the install thing but it is because i used to mod it a bunch when i was playing it back on back in boot camp some time ago um because there's so many cool mods for the game whether it's Mm -hmm. graphical upgrades or more stuff or some quality of life things whatever there's zillions of mods out there um for for the witcher because it's so popular so you you can through crossover you can get to your um, your directory structure for the translated Windows components so you can just replace the necessary files should mm-hmm. should be fine right 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 yeah. but, but it's not like yeah. nice to should right it's not like the game needs yeah. mods I'm just a mod fanatic like I mod yeah. anything like <laughs> that has mods like it my XCOM two run was like modded out the wazoo. Divinity Original Sin, I added like 50 mods to it. Like, I'm just a mod fanatic. Yeah. Fun fact about that, actually. Um, the old, I think it was Civilization 4. Uh, and this might only have been the Mac App Store version, not the Steam version. I don't know why. I think it might only be the. Modding was disabled for it in that the main menu didn't have the big banner for mods where you could huh. normally click and you'd see your list of mods. However, if you just went into a Lua file, which is a like interpreted programming language, there was a list of like the menu options in there. And the line for mods was just commented out. And if you just went in there, removed the thing that made it commented out so it was there again, boom, mods were there. It <laughs> well, all worked. That's cool. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's cool. Funny. Interesting. 
It's probably because of Apple's third-party connection mm-hmm. installation policy nonsense for the App Store. But it's really funny they yeah. just went in there and hit a little like colon or whatever to comment it out and saved the file. <laughs> Ship yeah, it off, you boys. Just remove through remove two slashes. Boom, back right. again. You could yeah. mod it. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's, That's fun. I like that. Nice. Um, switching gears a little bit, um, especially if you have to go soon, Casper. We have WWDC on the horizon. It is on the horizon. It's June 6th through 10th, I think. So it's still, yep. you know, April, May, June, two months away, roughly, or mm-hmm. le- a day less, whatever, two months. Um, any particular expectations, hopes, etc.? I mean, personally, I'm... I'm getting more and more convinced we are going to see the Mac Pro there. Um, and I know that people are moving back and forth about whether we're going to see it at WWDC or it's come end of year, maybe even later than that. But I'm pretty convinced at this point we're going to see it at WW. Um, and I don't necessarily think it'll be ready to go right at the time of W, but I think they'll show it off and it'll be like coming late this year. Mm-hmm. Um, similar with, with how they did it for the 2019 Mac Pro and how they did it with the 2017. Um, and, I mean, that's obviously super exciting, getting to see what the structure of the Mac Pro is going to be like, whether we'll have as much expandability for it as the current Mac Pro. I think we will see a, basically the same enclosure for it and everything. And uh, on top of that, I'm just kind of excited to see what the software side of things is going to bring. Because I sort of struggle to think of what could change to go as presently to, like, I don't know. That's, that might have been a thing I've said many years in a row. Like, I wonder what they could change to make macOS better. It's always already the way I want it. And then <laughs> they release a feature that I wind up using all the time anyway. Um, but it's just always fun to see what's coming out. I'm also kind of just excited to see um, if any new developer technologies are going to be announced. Um, in particular, updates to Metal could be interesting from a gaming perspective. Uh, I've heard talks about Code Weavers and others saying that they had trouble getting DirectX 12 translation into Metal because they were finding some features slightly lacking that they had to work around and stuff. So it could be interesting to see if Metal gets a big update that could uh, bring more parity on. So yeah, just uh, all around uh, quite excited to see what happens both in Pro Hard, the software. Right, hardware and software. Uh, how about you, Sam? Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to I I do think they will at least tease the Mac Pro, um, especially because it's such a such a niche product. It's not like they're going to be selling millions of them. So they need to like kind of uh, drum up excitement. Especially because they have the Mac Studio too. That's going to eat into a lot of Mac Pro sales. Um so yeah, I think they're gonna, at bare minimum, have some little thirty-second teaser of how many millions of cores and <laughs> power it has, um, and then yeah, probably in the fall or maybe like Q one, uh, twenty twenty-three release. But then, and whereas the software, I'm with Casper. I I don't know. I don't have any complaints about mac os in terms of like features that i want i have a little like minor nuances i wish they would adopt windows snapping like linux and windows have but there's like free a million free like magnet or better snap tool that do that very quickly on mac um other than that well 
Casper and I were talking offline about some maybe iPad updates, but that's not really Mac specific. So um, I want iPad OS to leave iOS behind a little bit. Like they, when they separated them, I got really excited, but they haven't really done anything with that. And if anything, iPad OS is lagging behind iOS because with iOS 14, Apple did all that things like um, put widgets anywhere and do it would do the, the app drawer and stuff like that. That took a full year to get to the iPad, and those are pretty minor features. Um, so hopefully Apple gives the iPad some love, especially with those M1 Thunderbolt-equipped iPads out there now. So we'll see, though. Other than that, yeah, just I like the little tweaks they do, but nothing stands out as a really hope they do this. How about you, Ted? Any thoughts on future Mac hardware software you'd like to or hope to see, you know, out of a conference? I don't see anything. I, I'm, You know, I keep hoping that they're going to do something new with the watch, add some sort of interesting uh, health feature that, you know, people didn't think of before or something else. But uh, I, I don't know what. I hadn't really thought about it. I mean, but the uh, as far as, you know, yeah, I agree. We're probably going to see at least an introduction to the Mac Pro because they kind of alluded to that so many times in the past. And uh, the other thing I was thinking is, and, and it was kind of something that the guys on, you know, on the uh, Discord chatter were talking about. I wonder, you know, one of the things they might be talking about is the next generation Apple Silicon chip. Mm-hmm. You know, that might be interesting. Like, you know, what are we going to do next year? <laughs> what are we going to come up with? And, you know, and here's we've got this new I mean, the first one came out and, and it did it performed very well. But is Apple just going to sit back and use that for a while? Are they going to, they're probably developing something new and it might be a good, it would be interesting that if they came up with a kind of a, oh, here, a teaser of the future, you know, here's this new immense chip that we're going to be coming out with. It's going to be even the ultra in the dust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think we're going to see the M2 until the fall where we're probably going to get like VR refresh. We could have it. Um, but I do think we're going to see something in respect to bigger uh, Apple Silicon chips in the Mac Pro. So that that side of things could be fun. Also, because Apple, when they were done releasing the or announcing the Mac Studio last time, they um, they said teasingly, "But there's one Mac left, the Mac Pro." Uh, again, leading up to a probable announcement at W. Um, mm. But they also said that. They they they're done rolling out M1 based chip, which to my mind can mean two things. It can mean that the Mac Pro is going to have an M2 based chip in it, um, or it can mean that it's just not going to carry that naming, but they're just going to call it something else. But underlying still be fundamentally the same architecture, just expand it out. And I think we're going to see what I've come to call the W1 chip workstation uh, and they have used w as the naming for chips for the first generation airpods but after that they named those chips h instead of w um, same thing actually happened with the m chips because m existed as a series of chips back in the iphones when they were uh, motion coprocessors um, then they just ditched that and just used the a branding for everything in the iphone and now m is the mac Interesting. Yeah, that's 
What what are you excited to see, John? <laughs> uh, similar to what you guys, my the most thing I'm most keen on is more on the software end, or what you well the render, the render, the layers, uh, the metal mostly, because um, the hardware is really good. Can it always get better? Yeah, but the hardware is really good now. Like the baseline's great. You can upgrade to awesome uh, Pro or Ultra or Ultra Max, whatever it is, machines. Um, you know the studio is pretty cool. We nitpicked their monitor last time. Ted linked a cool um, Samsung monitor. I think it was the M8 or something for like $700. A nice big 32-inch 4K, not 5K monitor. But um, it's nice to see that maybe there's some other options out there for your studio or reasonably equitable options that are more in line with like an original 27-inch 27-inch iMac price. Um, so I'm not. I'm always interested in the hardware, but less excited. Other than the Mac Pro, like, okay, <clears throat> I was, mo- I'm mostly thinking comical terms, like, well, we got the trash can, we got the cheese grater, you know, what, <laughs> what appliance or, you know, furniture item, you know, are they going to produce that we can make fun of? Um, I assume it'll actually be <laughs> better designed in that sense. So it can't get a silly nickname or maybe not. Um, I guess I wish Apple would, it's not that they aren't fun, but, they're not silly the way... Some, I don't know. Is there any big tech company that's silly? Probably not. But when Sam was saying, oh, they'll release a Mac Pro with millions, of course, I wanted to make like an uh, It's Over 9000 meme or something, just because. Of course, they never will. I mean, but they, they have done the crack marketing thing. That's yeah. true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like that was more under Steve, uh, Steve Jobs. Like No, that was after. Oh, it was uh, after. That okay. Was, yeah. But that's just Craig Federici. He is the jokes. Right. And that's true. <laughs> and that's true. Hair Force one. Um, yeah, so it's not that they aren't fun or anything. I guess I just wish they were a little more silly sometimes. But it's mostly the... Because right now our hardware is tremendous, or it's getting tremendous. So what we're lacking in is in either... I'm I'm looking towards the root of the issue. It can't just be, well, add more games. It's like, well, why is it hard to add more games? Like you're referencing Code Weavers running into issues at DirectX 12 and stuff. I mean... Going way back to, dang, it must have been 2014 or 15, or maybe 2016 max. Um, NVIDIA bought Trans Gaming, which was using, who were the source of the cider wrappers, which was actually very impressive versions of wine wrappers, or whatever wrappers it was. Um, you could pretty much, you could throw all kinds, you could just buy or buy a game, a cider-based game, steal the wrapper and throw like any game in there and it mostly worked you could just throw in skyrim and play skyrim which honestly i did mm-hmm. back in 2011 um but the interesting thing was transgaming announced they were going to bring DirectX 12 games through their site or wrappers shortly thereafter nvidia bought them and i thought oh cool nvidia is making like a splash into the mac market i we've talked about this on the show before probably early days and then they just went quiet and so they bottom and the tech died or i don't know i don't know where it went it just just vanished seemingly um but that was way back then they were talking about DirectX 12 so i'm wondering i guess why like what resource or ability did transgaming have like six years ago or eight years ago that only just now like they're talking about bringing it into certain versions of wine or code you know crossover i don't know that technical detail i just find it kind of curious um of course, I'm not relying all just on crossover. I want to see more metal updates. I'm hoping they show off some kind of game at WWDC. Um, it doesn't have to be the biggest game in the world, but like something would be cool, like more than just some iPhone game that you happen to be able to play through Apple Arcade or something. 
not a casual game, basically, or a light game, like something of at least medium weight or whatever, I would that would make me happy. Maybe with some, you know, software render improvements um, to metal or any adjacent tech that's required that needs an update to make that happen. That's what I'm looking for. Um, hopefully something notable and maybe not just some tucked away little note in one of those developer not diaries, I forget what they call them, workshops. Like, oh, metal can do ray tracing, cool, but now what? <laughs> you know, like, I'm hoping something happens there. Just just more with that, because naturally that's the foundation needed for any current or other companies. Uh, it either makes the already people like Feral, their jobs better, easier, or companies looking to port also easier or more accessible, I guess. That's what I'm hoping for, because that will... It's not going to, like, unleash the floodgates or something. It's just it makes it more probable, more possible, that we'll get the game. So that's that's what I'm looking for, mostly. Yeah. That makes sense. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Cosmo. No, I, I, that's it. I didn't have anything. Oh, okay. Say. I was going to say, um, yeah, that jogged my memory. I, I do really hope they... I, when I was thinking of features earlier, I was thinking of, like, UI features, which... I honestly can't think of a single one that I'm we're missing or like little quirk or something, but I really hope they add capability features from a software perspective, like the stuff that you're mentioning with metal updates and, and maybe partnering with, I don't know, like a publisher or, or some, some developers, um, something along those lines. Um, and then in regards to them, M1, maybe getting an update, yeah, I don't think it'll happen now, but I th- I believe I'm like 95% sure the M1 is the same silicon as the A14. So we do have the A15 now in the iPhones. We'll get the A16 this fall. Um, the A15 upgrade over the 14 was pretty minor performance-wise, but it was pretty good from a efficiency perspective. That's why like the iPhone like 13 mini gets like almost double the battery life of the 12 mini. Um, so... That'd be a nice upgrade. It's not going to like blow the doors off uh, in the benchmark graphs, but it's it, it would be nice for like a MacBook Air or laptops, especially. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like because of what you're saying about the performance discrepancy and the the time frame we're looking at right now, um, I think the M2 is going to skip the A15 and go straight to A16. Yeah. The only other thing I was thinking too with the M1 is the M1's pretty old now. Like it's it's fall 2020. And when it was released, everybody saw the benchmarks. It's like, oh, it's a crushing, like, all these laptops. And it, it still is crushing them from an efficiency perspective. But there's a lot of really good new chips out now from Intel and AMD. And some of them in the laptop are all as performant or more performant than, like, the M1 Max. Um, not at the same efficiency, but not everyone cares if it's, like, a 15-inch workstation. Um, so I'm hoping they, I, I'm sure they will, but they, they need to keep iterating these chips on a somewhat regular basis or, or else it's going to start to look a little, I don't know, not, not, not gloom, but just kind of like, come on guys. Like it's been 18 months now. Where's, where's the chip update? Yeah. I think when, when we get an, an upgrade to the M2, what we'll see is that the M1 will stay in the lineup of the cheapest entry level option and then the M2 will come with a redesign book air or something like that where the M1 will perhaps keep the existing design just be M 
entry level option to the new design. Um, because when they have changed the MacBook Air design in the past, which I assume is going to happen the next iteration, they've pushed the price up initially and then taken some time and then pushed it back down to that $999 price point. Um, so I think to give an option that remains at $999, they're going to keep the M1 in the lineup for a while, but still offer two up for that. Form. That makes sense. I mean, but I, mean, I think we're in the land of speculation. So. Right. No, I mean, the pricing, I mean, non-Apple people will complain about the pricing, which has some merits. But in general, um, I do like that they usually keep the pricing. Like, oh, this entry-level laptop's $999, this, this iMac's 2000 or this MacBook Pro or whatever. Um, even though the hardware can get significant updates. Um so, you know, we do still have, I'm not trying to get into this, but just as a passing mention, I wonder with some either supply chain issues or material costs that have gone up in all kinds of places, like, will Apple just absorb them? Will they charge more? They certainly have the money to absorb it, but that's big corporations don't just operate on, well, we can just absorb it. Like they want to see, you know, what do you call it? Not compensation is the right word. Like. In, you know, streams coming in and out for balances. Obviously, they don't just want to drain their coffers, uh, subsidizing everyone. Um, there is also if, the fact that it has been nine for many years, and inflation is a thing. So yeah, nine ninety nine today isn't nine ninety nine from years ago. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. I, I that was the last thing I was going to mention. So I'm glad you did. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to get social or political or economical, but it's just a factor in the times we find and of course all the there's hot new tech every year or usually every year anyway um so i also agree with what you guys were both saying uh, what sam was saying um i hope apple keeps making like notable improvements to just whether it's software or hardware because they've made a big splash they've cut a lot of people's attention even well outside the mac space they've even gotten some praise i mean i always enjoy it when i go to like pc gamer and there's an article about an Apple or Mac thing there. And that only happens in these like notable <laughs> shifts of, you know, hardware and stuff. Um, so it's just fun, fun to even see that. Or, or yeah, they have some PC article, PC gamer article about the, you know, pro Mac, uh, NM1 pro or, uh, ultra max, whatever performance or something. Um, it's just fun to see. Going back to that naming scheme. I think that is one of the biggest clues to what Casper was saying, or they won't use it for the Mac Pro because it's just getting ridiculous. It's like the M1, the Pro, the Max, the Ultra. It's like you can't. Um, I'm actually getting it mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, I don't put another one like premium or extreme on top of that. But, um, the Primo. <laughs> exactly. Oh, right. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's just like yeah. you would. Everyone thought the M1 Max was going to be the Max chip. Um, <laughs> and then, nope. And then the Ultra is not going to be the Max chip either. So uh, my uh, my older brother pokes a lot of fun at that. He loves Max stuff, but he's like Ultra Pro Max Plus Uber. You know, he just like goes on Uber. on this <laughs> whatever. You know, I could have to use the plus in the phones, right? So anyway, yeah, it's it's a little. Yeah, I do hope it caps out, and there's maybe a new a new line that would help. 
Um, but Apple's least, doing uh, well, so yeah, just hope. I guess what I'm getting at is hope they don't just like taper off quietly, and the updates are like so minimal that no one really cares, even though they're 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 fine. Um, that they don't have to be what do you call it like g- generational defining hardware every single time or something. It's just like do something notable at least once a year, <laughs> hopefully twice a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, by which I mean on the like Mac end, not the iPhone end or the iPad end, which is, you know, that'll go on into infinity. Yeah. One, I guess, a discussion talk, we obviously don't know, but um, Castro is interested to hear what you think. Do you think the Mac Pro will have the full fat um, M1 graphics, whatever you want to call that? Or will they do a more like Intel approach, what Intel does with their Xeons, where they just kind of either have no graphics or very minimal graphics and instead they'll have a dedicated gpus obviously because that's obviously a big draw of the mac pro is, is those dedicated gpus and the ability to put three or four in there if you want to but I and no one cares about efficiency on a mac pro <laughs> but you don't buy a yeah, ten thousand dollar desktop i think it's all efficiency. gonna be on on chip so we're gonna have graphics as an soc again on the mac pro, i think going up to however many cores it would be for it um i don't think it's going to support pcie based graphics at all uh, neither from apple or third parties for now i think long term they might introduce apple pcie based gpus or mpx based gpus uh, but i don't think they're going to put radeon for example because They'd have to implement the drivers for that because, you know, obviously the, the drivers AMD have are ARM-based. They're AMD6 drivers that can't just work the buck. But I, I think Apple wants to, like, emphasize the whole unified memory and stuff like that across the board. And they can't really do that if you still have to manage pushing memory from your SOC die to PCIe based chip with its own VRAM and then back to the main chip. I think their goal is for developers to not have to worry about memory locality eventually. So it would kind of break that if a lot of developers optimize for that kind of structure because all the other Macs are running that and then the Mac Pro isn't and you know all the optimization we'll see for all the other Macs won't apply and are going to hurt performance and potentially even cause bugs. Pro. Um, but I do think they're going to lean more into MPX-based add-ons outside of GPUs, things like the Afterburn, which was a thing for the current Mac, and have more accelerated like that, potentially like, here's a big card you can plug in to have a massive neural engine. Because that's already so managed through frameworks where you don't necessarily have touch the memory locality yourself anyway where metal you do get options to manipulate where the memory is on its if it's on the gpu's v the die or what but frameworks like um, core ml they they don't care about first you don't do that so they could more easily have the framework take care of that i guess Uh, while also of course not giving developers full control of that you take some you win some you lose some so, yeah, that, that's my take on that. I find it interesting that they've been really consistent with upgrading the graphics on the Mac Pro. Um, 
like they they never really announce it, but you, every time you check every couple of months, there, there's a new graphics card available for the Mac Pro mm-hmm. to, like, in the built to order page on Apple's website. Um, like it used to be the the 580, that's a 5500X. Used to max out like the Vega Pro Duo, I think it was. Now that's not even an option anymore, and it's all the newer 5000 and 6000 series cards. Mm-hmm. And there's there's two, four, six. There's ten graphics card options currently um, for the Mac Pro. So I don't know. I, I know there's ARM servers that support um, like Radeon and, and NVIDIA cards. So the driver support is possible, but oh. who knows if they do it or not? But hmm. like, like so is is that the um, stuff like that? Do do, do you know if that's the uh, drivers that AMD published? Like the same. I'm way not they sure have about open that. It would be some sort of Linux driver. I'm not sure who maintains yeah. it or develops it, but um, I know there's like you can buy ones for like machine learning that have some like a million CUDA cores or something. But, <laughs> nice. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm I, I agree with you. I don't think they're going to be super open to third party discrete graphics, but it also seems to me like this kind of this catch twenty two of like, well, that's kind of the whole point of the Mac Pro. Um, and I know there's more to PCIe than just graphics, but the afterburner card is the only thing they offer other than graphics cards. So I, I'm just curious how they're going to differentiate it from the M1 studio or the Mac studio. Mm. Um, other than just obviously beefier, but like, what's the point of it if they're not offering discrete graphics or something like that? Well, one thing I've heard about as well studio. is, um, Having an external memory controller attached to the the bundle, of course, that's going to be the W1 Ultra Extreme 57,000X, whatever we're naming the chip, um, <laughs> where it would be able to tap into regular RAM slots, essentially. So you could have 1.5 terabytes of RAM, or whatever, but it would act in a tiered system, transparent to program, but where the chip would have its own local on-the-chip on memory similar to the M1-based uh, machines. And then it would essentially act as like a level 4 cache or something before hitting main memory, but all of it being... So, yeah, that's an additional benefit, I guess, to the Mac Pro, that you could potentially have it beef up to insane amounts of memory just like the current one. Sounds we'll see, I guess. hype. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll see in about two months. Obviously, of course, at the time we'll be we'll we'll cover um whatever comes out of the WWDC. I mean it's sixth through tenth. I didn't actually anyway. We we'll probably probably should wait until the event's over rather than like day one. We'll see. We'll see what we end up <laughs> doing. Sch- you know, scheduling at the time and whatever. I guess the main stuff is always day one and then what are the what are the other why is it four days? I don't even know. Uh so th- Day one is for like the public, essentially, and then all the days lead like after that are developer-focused tech talks where we talk about frameworks and right. libraries yeah. that introduced and how right, to right, optimize right. things, developers and stuff. That's honestly where a lot of the really interesting happen in my perspective because you know you get to see not just oh we have flashy new operating system, but under the hood things uh, how to properly interact with things they've announced. Not just see like the, when they announced the the Swift programming language back in 2014. The the thing they showed uh, day one 
was, you know, here's our new programming. Like, isn't that? A-? But then all the sessions after that were really in depth. Like, here's the syntax. Here's the semantics. Here's how to interrupt between Swift code and C code. Here's how to interrupt C code and C plus plus code. We made that easy as well. Yeah, that's where it got super exciting. Right. Yeah. I've dug through those before, after the fact, um, looking, I think it was in 2020, the 2020 mm-hmm. WWDC, or I can't remember exactly when, when they had some metal updates of Note, and there were several of them, and I went through and read the text and watched the videos, and um, that's, you know, that's why I mentioned I'm also looking for that kind of stuff this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the name of it, but there, uh, when the M1 came out, I believe there was, it was really interesting from a gaming perspective. I think they had either the Divinity Original Sin or the Baldur's Gate 3, one of their devs, do like a pretty extensive, like technical talk of how they got the game running and how it was optimized. And yep. I'm scrolling through the old forums, so I was not trying to find it, but they'll, they'll have stuff like that um, mm-hmm. on those extra days. Right. Something they also do, which I think is super cool. And this is perhaps more relevant when they were doing them in person. WWDC is the online. But they do, uh, as you said, workshops where they actually tell developers, come bring your code, bring your, your app, and we'll look at it together. If you have any questions, ask them. If you want us to just look at it and say, can you optimize, make it run faster, and we'll talk you through your code. How to... They'll have Apple engineers there ready to talk not about just about Apple stuff, but about your stuff and how to better implement Apple's technology into your code. And that's just a really nice uh, benefit. Easy. Nice. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, Ted or Sam, any other questions or comments? Otherwise, we're not questions. That's the wrong word. <laughs> Things you want to say yeah. before we wrap up the show. That's what I meant to say. I'm a little tired right now. <laughs> Nothing from me. I'm tired too. Just finished yeah. a string of nights. So oh, right. happy to be done that. Yeah. Right. I'm glad we could get together. Uh, just a quick, uh, like a quick uh, end note. Uh, the frequency of the show has decreased. You know, we were doing one a week for a while or a few a month. Um, it's mostly because there's nothing like big and notable to talk. We can, there's a, there's topics we can come up with and Casper had a really nice list. We may pursue some of those. Um, uh, but we don't just want to have a show where we're like, oh, the good old days of Matt Gaming, like Ted was saying. Because we've, <laughs> we've, we've done that, and I think it's valid to do that. But we don't just want to keep like recycling content or theme if, you know, that's that's lame. Mm-hmm. So um, it's not that we aren't here or anything. If the show frequency goes down a bit, just because we're mostly waiting for, like, we want to put out something in- as interesting or compelling as possible. So... For, for all the listeners out there who's still a fair amount, thank you very much. Um, but that's that's all. That's the only reason. Um, especially around WWDC, there'll be more. But, um, you know, in the uh, this month, April, May, we can pursue some of the ideas Casper had, which are pretty cool in my opinion. So there'll be more coming. Um, but don't panic if the show frequency goes down. It, it is going on. Just the volume of it maybe go up and down a bit based on events or... Um, but compelling stuff to talk about pretty much that yeah just wanted to add that i meant to say that at the beginning but i forgot yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah so thanks a lot gents uh for coming great to catch up with you and hear our thoughts on uh various things shows wwdc etc um so take care we'll catch you next time and thanks for listening Woo! bye-bye bye take care
See you later, everybody. A big thank you to Kevin McLeod for the intro and outro music. Be sure to check out his library on the web. You can find more episodes of our show on our website, macgamecast.com, or in all major podcast directories. If you enjoy the show, please consider commenting, following, or sharing. Thanks again for listening, and see you next time.